Support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at TexasMutual.com. From Texas Public Radio, this is Texas Matters, a weekly radio news magazine that looks at the issues, events, and people in the Lone Star State. Today on Texas Matters, what's in SB4? And how does it fit into Governor Abbott's plan to challenge the authority of the federal government? If SB4 were allowed to stand in sort of a maximalist way, if the Supreme Court were to crack open immigration law to all the states, we could effectively cease to be a country. This is Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. Governor Greg Abbott is expected to soon sign into law SB4, which makes illegal border crossings a state crime. It would give local and state police the authority to arrest someone suspected of entering Texas illegally. KERA's Stella Chavez reports immigrant advocates are worried and they're taking steps to prepare. Inside a red brick office building in Garland, a couple dozen individuals sit and listen to an immigration attorney talk about the latest immigration bill. Will this cause discrimination, attorney Jaime Vasquez asks? Possibly. And what happens if a police officer pulls you over? He tells them that under this legislation, a judge could drop charges if the person agrees to be deported to Mexico. It doesn't matter if the person isn't Mexican. Vasquez and other attorneys say this and other aspects of the soon-to-be new law are problematic. For example, what if someone is ordered to leave the country but has a pending immigration case? The law is written horribly. It's terrible, he says. It doesn't seem like an attorney wrote it. There are too many unanswered questions, says Ruby Powers, an immigration attorney in Houston and a member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. I think we're going to see a lot of lack of probable cause, but by the time an individual gets detained and potentially deported, they might not have the resources to challenge the probable cause finding. Powers says it's unclear if law enforcement agencies will train officers to understand the nuances of someone's immigration status. Some groups say they plan to sue the state to challenge the law. Even if that happens, Powers says damage will have been done. Some people may choose to stay home. Others may leave the state. She suggests scheduling a consultation with an immigration attorney. Also, everyone should have a plan, a place to have your documents, birth certificates, marriage, everything in one place, be prepared, have a plan if something were to happen. Gustavo Caballero is from Honduras and has lived in North Texas for two decades. He says this bill provokes fear. Immigrants are going to be afraid to go out, he says. If they don't know their rights, they could get into more trouble or take unnecessary risk, he adds. For 22-year-old Luis Hernandez, this is a painful reminder that he narrowly missed applying for DACA, a status that would have temporarily let him stay in the country. Now this is just making me feel like, hey, now I have to worry at a daily that all I built, everything I worked to, is now being 
you know, threatened again. Others, like Priscilla Olivares, worries that peace officers will have wide discretion to stop and question anyone who's suspected of unauthorized entry to Texas. Olivares is with the Immigrant Legal Resource Center in San Antonio and says the law could disproportionately affect black and brown people. And so we're talking about Texans that do have lawful status. We're talking about Texans that are United States citizens that will be in danger of being racially profiled, arrested, and even deported. After Abbott signs, the bill is expected to take effect in early March. I'm Stella Chavez in Dallas. SB4 is expected to take effect on September 1st, 2024, and it's expected to be immediately challenged as a violation of the U.S. Constitution. And if the past can be used to predict a future, it will be tossed out by the U.S. Supreme Court. However, these days, anything goes with this Supreme Court. And as Gus Bova writes in the Texas Observer, what Governor Abbott is doing is to challenge established federal authority over immigration law that goes back more than 150 years. And he says calling this law, SB4, doesn't help many of us understand how much is packed into this Senate bill. I don't know what the nickname for it will be. SB4 is unfortunate because there were two other sort of anti-immigrant bills in Texas called SB4 in recent memory, but um, but I'm not sure what the nickname is, is, is yet. Yes, I have heard people call it the uh, Texas show me your papers law. Why would they call it that? What does that mean? I think that that name is sort of about this tradition going back to a bill that Arizona passed over a decade ago. But to explain what, what this Texas bill does, the, the new Texas SB4, what it does um, is basically three things. Uh, it makes it a crime for a non-citizen to improperly enter the state from another country. So most likely that means, you know, crossing the Rio Grande from Mexico. Um, it also makes it a crime uh, just to be in the state after having previously been deported. Um, that might be part of why people call it a show me your papers law, because that could apply statewide at almost any time. And uh, frankly, it ignores the fact that under federal law, uh, you can be deported and find a way to return legally. That happens. Um, and then finally, the big sort of dramatic uh, twist on it. For both of those crimes, there's a new state deportation mechanism set up under the bill. So basically, the judge and the person arrested, they can agree to sort of drop the prosecution, drop the case, and instead the person goes back to the country they came from under threat of yet a third criminal charge. So it's illegal entry, illegal re-entry, so-called, and a deportation system. Um, and it's all pretty much unprecedented for a state to do this. So in addition to calling it SB4 or calling it the show me your papers law, you're suggesting in your article in the Texas Observer that it could be called a direct assault on the federal government's ability to regulate its own borders. Yeah. And you know, it occurs to me, you could call it the, the state deportations bill, I suppose, but I'll leave it probably to the advocates to sort out what to call it. But, um, but yes, definitely. Um, it's a very direct attack on what I found in my article to be about, about 150 years, really of 
Supreme Court precedent that establishes that immigration in almost all cases is exclusively in the purview of the federal government. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. And the most recent time that the Supreme Court affirmed this was in 2012 when Arizona passed a bill called SB 1070 that was very notorious at the time. Uh, but it goes back much further, all the way back to the late 1800s when states were trying to find ways to exclude and kick out uh, Chinese immigrants. The idea that the federal government is in charge of the borders, it goes along with the federal government is in charge of foreign policy. There are certain powers that are set aside in the Constitution that say this is why we have a union of states and this, these are powers that are set aside for the federal government. And we're seeing Abbott doing all sorts of things to challenge that authority, including something as, as nutty as those buoys that he put in the river. It doesn't really impact, slow down, or stop anyone from uh, crossing the river, those 1,000-foot string of orange buoy balls floating in the Rio Grande. But what it does is that it tries to challenge uh, what, what the federal government is in charge of and what Texas is in charge of. And Abbott, it seems like he's trying to reframe like this is the Texas border more than it is the United States border, mm -hmm. so, so which would be a way to erode the union of states, it seems to me. I mean, do you see it that way? I, I, I think that that basically the argument that's been reiterated by the Supreme Court that will be that, that will be argued in the lawsuits over this new bill. Uh, the Bowie case is sort of interesting. I think in a very technical sense, it has to do with federal control of boundary waters and there's stuff about a navigable waterway and stuff involved there legally. But bigger picture, if you look at the argument, it absolutely is part of this general Abbott strategy to test how much the state can sort of take over control of its border with Mexico. And there's a couple reasons that this has long been basically forbidden, that states have been limited from doing this. And one, as you mentioned, is foreign relations concern. Basically, by definition, if you're dealing with uh, immigrants, you're dealing with foreign nationals. Um, and if a state abuses and mistreats and discriminates against the class of foreign nationals, that could cause reprisals against the United States as a whole or against United States citizens living in other countries. Um, but even apart from that, this is one of those things where the Constitution went out of its way to say that only the Congress has the power to create a what they call an uniform rule of naturalization. That's old-time language, but that's been interpreted to mean a, a consistent immigration system across all the states. And, and you can imagine how um, chaotic and problematic it would be if a person was able to be in Colorado but not New Mexico or in Kansas but not Missouri. If you had checked in, in the worst case scenario, I have checkpoints all around the country. Effectively, what people told me is, for my article, we, we would no longer be a country if 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 this current SB4 were allowed to stand in sort of a maximalist way, if the Supreme Court were to crack open immigration law to all the states, we could effectively cease to be a country. 
Abbott's trying all sorts of ways to test that federal authority, including uh, challenging the Border Patrol from cutting uh, some of the razor wire on the border, uh, right on the river's edge, because there are migrants who are trapped, uh, who are injured. They're trying to save their lives. And Abbott is saying, no, you cannot cut this razor wire because it is state property and this is state authority. And the Border Patrol, it's their job to patrol the border, believe it or not. Yet Abbott is trying to keep them from doing that. That's just another way that he he's seeking every avenue that he can in order to limit federal authority on right on directly on the Rio Grande, which is international water, international river, the boundary. He wants to in that that the federal government has the uh, higher hand and authority there, and so. Um, mm-hmm. And that's having an impact on politics. Yeah, it's all it 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 it's definitely all of a piece. And it, on the one hand, it's a little predictable. It's it's a Republican governor when there's a Democratic president. They want to make a show about how the Democratic president has an open borders policy. But I think what some people outside Texas might not fully realize is, you know, our governor is not some. Uh, <laughs> not some reality TV star who became a governor, right? This was the attorney general of Texas. This is a, a smart lawyer. And uh, I think that if you look at what he's doing, he is fairly systematically testing the state authority here, and he's sending executive orders that quote old dissenting opinions from Antonin Scalia in them. Uh, Ken Paxton is a part of this. Um, it is a strategy, and there's the there's the smaller scale stuff like um, control over razor wire at the border and then the bigger scale stuff like can a county sheriff deputy uh, deport someone, (laughs) well, effectively through a magistrate, get someone deported because they think the person entered illegally. Right. So to that point, a lot of people are confused about what SB4 will do and what it means for their rights, particularly if they're in the country uh, without authorization, if they should uh, suddenly have a lot more anxiety about their stability and ability Mm -hmm. to remain in Texas. And, you know, there, I don't want to, I don't want to step into the role of there are groups that are doing Know Your Rights trainings and things and groups who are, I think, trying to figure out just how alarmed and just how panicked, uh, you know, undocumented folks, especially in Texas, should be. Um, I'm not positive because it's it's possible the law would be enforced in a sort of quote unquote more minimal way, where it's pretty much only enforced at the border when a police officer sees someone cross, and maybe the reentry part, the second part, maybe that won't really be enforced. I can't say, but. The text of the bill itself, despite all the attempts from Democrats, it doesn't include any limitations on where it can be enforced. Um, there, there are some limits on when it can be enforced just because crimes always have a statute of limitations, but nothing else. So there's basically almost no geographic or temporal limitation. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I can say. The it, it, letter of the law could be applied just about anywhere at any time. Abbott is basing all of this energy, this compression on the border, 
based on this idea that Texas has an invasion uh, by uh, okay. people who are coming into the country who are non-citizens. This idea that it's an invasion has been was shot down in the recent uh, panel's decision from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, two to one, saying it is not an invasion, uh, but still in the, case. in the Bowie case. Yeah, and so um, yet this is the language that has legs, particularly in the right wing, what do you call it, uh, misinformation area, because Abbott is winning on messaging. His messaging mm -hmm. is that he is protecting the border and that President Biden is uh, trying to keep the borders open and allow migrants to come into the country freely, which is not true. Uh, and this is not an invasion. This is not a, a crisis. This is not uh, going to demise the country. You said Abbott is not a reality TV star, but he certainly seems to have a really firm grasp of the optics. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he, he's gotten every method from his primary voters and and the general electorate that he almost can't go too far on this issue and that quote-unquote the border just continues to be the number one issue for Republican voters in Texas. So he's going to keep hammering away on that for political gain and then at the same time I think pursuing a at least at least a somewhat thought out legal strategy at the same time you know the invasion language is that's both rhetoric um and as you noted it's overblown rhetoric since the <laughs> asylum seekers aren't coming as an armed force right um but also um that's tied to the constitution as well there's there's language in there about how basically States can sort of declare war and defend themselves if they're under a, if they're currently being invaded. I, I, I it's hard to imagine courts seeing immigrants asking for asylum as a true invading force, right? But that's where they're drawing it from. And we're talking about the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. When uh, if they use the entire court, that uh, they could uh -huh. they could go and see it that way because we know a lot of those people who have been appointed to the courts are political right-wing zealots. So yeah, that could happen. But yeah, the, right. The court, uh, the, the character of the court shifted significantly under, under Trump. So in your article, you look at a lot of the background into how other states have tried these same maneuvers and they have failed when we had a different, you know, Supreme Court. But uh, also we saw that in those other states like California under Governor Wilson and then also Arizona, when they tried these efforts, there was a political backlash. There was an awakening yeah. by uh, uh, Latino voters and, and the shift. You know, California used to be a solid red Republican state. They, yeah. uh, Governor Wilson tried to do similar measure and that uh, turned the state blue. People are wondering... Could that happen in Texas? That, that's so interesting, right? That's Prop 187 in California, right? Yeah. And then, in, um, you know, in Arizona, the, the, their, what they called their Show Me Your Papers law in 2010, uh, the author of that bill ended up being successfully recalled right shortly after. And Arizona is what now? A purple state, right? Well, it's got two Democrats in the Senate and a Democrat in the uh, governor's house. There you go. 
But Texas, I mean that yeah, that is the million dollar question. I can't I can't say I can't say we've seen evidence of it evidence of it yet in the electoral results, can you? No. But um, you know, this will be the first election in November since there was th- these these uh, SB four has been passed and will be mm-hmm. elected. Uh, depends on how it plays out. If there are, is there, if there's a robust enforcement of this, if we see mass deportations, if we see people who are or deportations of citizens, yeah, you know. But even if there are people who are in the country in Texas who are hardworking law-abiding folk who just don't happen to be citizens, uh, don't have the papers for that. And we see these mass deportations of construction sites and of restaurants and hotels, uh, farms. Is that possible under SB4? The the possibility, it's very open-ended as a a matter of possibility because you're talking about uh, an officer believing that they have probable cause to think that someone entered or re-entered the country illegally. How are they going to establish that probable cause? Well, you know, unfortunately, it might start with how a person looks or talks. It might start with what work they're currently engaged in. Uh, maybe they'll ask the person, and the person not realizing the risk will just tell them. You tell them how they came to the country. You see what I'm saying? So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's basically all on the table. So um, we're recording so recording chaos, and if that happens, you know what? There could be that political backlash. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't. I can't emphasize enough that there were multiple amendments and multiple ways that they could have reined. They could have reined this bill in. They could have. They could have tailored it to just do what they sort of said they were mostly trying to do, which is just down at the border. But they didn't do it. Um. The political backlash. I mean, it seems to me. I mean, I've been in I've been in Texas for eight years, so longer than some, but shorter than shorter than a lot. So, but what I've seen so far is that the Republican primary electorate um, eats this stuff up, and then by the time you get to November, you know, eight months later, it seems like this is rarely this is rarely the issue that people switch their vote on. I suppose you know. But the thing is, this, of, this November, the border uh-huh. will be the top thing on many people's minds when they go to vote. The Republican uh-huh. Party sees this as uh, Biden's biggest weakness and as something yeah. that, that activates their base. If there are people who are squishy on whether or not to vote for Trump again based on all of his you know, character flaws, they will probably, if they are you know, pushed hard enough, about the border, the border, the border, here they come, all of these people, replacement theory, all that other kind of stuff, uh, they will, you know, they're going to go hard on the border. So, yeah, they will be thinking about it. It's just who's thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't, and I don't know what, I don't know what your view of a, is of where a lot of the Democratic leadership is, but, I mean, you may be aware that, you probably are aware that, they're seriously considering um, gutting or really hamstringing asylum access at the federal level right now in Congress. Um, and I mean, just in general, I feel like Democrats have sort of become uh, gun shy, for lack of a better word, about pro immigration policies over the last couple of years. 
So this, this, this could be uh, the issue which the future of the country hinges on. I mean, it, in, the, in 2012, when the Supreme Court basically struck down Arizona's law, the Justice Kennedy wrote in there in his conclusion, he wrote that, you know, immigration policy shapes the destiny of the nation. That was a line he sort of led his conclusion off with. And, you know, so what he said was, you know, given states, especially border states, they might have grievances and frustrations, but this is something that um, shapes the trajectory and character of the country as a whole and should be, that policy should be adjusted through, you know, the ideal, uh, rational, well-thought-out debate that takes into account all the factors, right? Um, and unfortunately, that's obviously not what we're getting at the state legislative level. And frankly, right now, at the Congress level, with possibly rushing through an asylum crackdown as a trade for uh, aid for Ukraine, right, which is unrelated, not, not that much better, actually, right now, at this exact moment. Gus Bova is a senior staff writer and assistant editor at the Texas Observer. His latest article is, Texas is challenging 150 years of immigration law. South Texas is a great place for bird watchers. The Coastal Bend is a unique area where tropical meets subtropical and two major flyways converge. Four rare bird species have been spotted in the Corpus Christi area recently. KEDT's Kathy Edwards has more. Corpus Christi is known as the birdiest city in America. In 2003, the city was first awarded the title, and every year since, the number of bird species seen in the Coastal Bend has continued to grow. Local bird expert Clay Taylor says there are four bird species that are of particular interest to local birders. The rarest of them, rare meaning there's only a thousand of them alive in all of North America, is whooping cranes. There's a pair of whooping cranes with a baby down at Port Aransas at the uh, Nature Preserve at Charlie's Pasture. Same place, same time, there's three flamingos. They were blown up when that big old hurricane went across Florida. The other bird that's over in Portland is called a bar-tailed godwit. Godwits are big sandpipers. This guy is a European species. And then the last one is the cattle tyrant. <laughs> it is in downtown Corpus Christi, right at Chaparral and, and uh, Shatzel Street. Taylor says the discovery of the cattle tyrant bird was purely by accident. A birder was literally driving through downtown. He stopped at a stoplight and his bird is walking around on the, on the sidewalk. And he went, wait a minute, that looks like a cattle tyrant. They're in South America. What's that doing here? He took a video of it. The video went pretty viral. And just how did a South American bird end up in South Texas? So everybody said, well, he had to get on a boat and get up here because the Port of Corpus Christi is only a mile away. This guy may have decided to go look for a new spot, found himself out over the water, no place to land except that boat down there. So he sat on the boat and came up to Port of Corpus Christi. If your interest in birds is now peaked, 
Taylor says there's a handy app for bird watching. So Cornell University has come out with a program called eBird, which is a free app. You can download it on your phone and you can keep track of all your sightings. And you put them into eBird, it goes into this massive database that anybody can look at. And what about Corpus Christi? Does it live up to its name as the birdiest city in America? Corpus Christi has always been a really good spot for birding. I tell people if you've never birded Texas before, come into Corpus Christi first. You start out here, get cool birds, work your way down the Rio Grande Valley, then back up through the hill country and then back here and go home. And in the springtime, you can have almost 300 species of birds in a little more than a week. I've been here 15 years, and my backyard list is now at 258 species. That was local bird expert Clay Taylor. If you're interested in becoming a bird watcher, Taylor suggests checking out your local Audubon Society and the Facebook group TexBirds. I'm Kathy Edwards in Corpus Christi. That's it for this edition of Texas Matters. Thanks for listening. I'm David Martin Davies. You can email us at texasmatters at tpr.org. There are past episodes of Texas Matters on our website at tpr.org. And you can find us wherever you download cool podcasts. And tune in again next week for another edition of Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. Support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at TexasMutual.com.